Welcome to the Experience Darden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to feature a conversation I recently recorded with two of the student affairs professionals who support our students here at Darden, Sarah Elliott, who is Assistant Dean for Student Affairs, and Ed Warwick, who is Associate Director for Student Affairs. I recently sat down with Sarah and Ed to talk a little bit more about the work that they do, what they enjoy about supporting uh, our students, some of the initiatives that they're excited about uh, that are upcoming and that they've worked on previously, as well as their advice for students who are transitioning uh, from life before business school to life at Darden. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Elliott and Ed Warwick. Sarah, Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. us. All right. So uh, let's learn a little bit more about you before we get into the nitty gritty of the conversation. Let's start with you, Sarah. Uh, who are you and what do you do here? I'm Sarah Elliott, and I'm Assistant Dean of Student Affairs. I've been at Darden now. This is my 11th year, and prior to Darden, I was an Assistant Dean in UVA's Office of the Dean of Students, where I actually had the opportunity and privilege of working with Ed here um, in a previous life. So we've been at it for a long time. Yeah, and I'm Ed Warwick. I'm the director of the full-time MBA program in student affairs here at Darden. As Sarah mentioned, we're here on the reunion tour. I used to work in the Office of the Dean of Students back in 2008. So this makes year 11 at the university with my fifth year here at Darden. Prior to that, I also worked at McIntyre School of Commerce as the associate director of student life. So um, obviously working with students, it, it, it's great. It's exciting work. You get to have a direct impact on the student experience here. Darden is a school uh, that obviously you know cares deeply about the student experience. I'm curious, what do you enjoy about the work that you do? What do you find fulfilling about your roles? It really is about the students, and that's what has kept me here for so long and in the field of student affairs for, gosh, 17, going on 17 years. Um, I've been able to develop relationships with students that, you know, transcend both just their time here at Darden as well as when they're alumni and and talking through really just things that are going on in their lives. So whether or not that's of a personal nature or academic, it, it really spans that spectrum. And it's been so enjoyable to get to know students and their life stories. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I mean, being at a larger university, but getting to work with a smaller community here at Darden, we really get to develop those deep relationships with students. We see a lot of the same students every day um, and getting to know them sort of from the moment they come to Darden to the time they graduate. Um, And just seeing the amazing things that our students do in the world and in business after this, it's just kind of incredible to be even a small part of their journey and support them during their time here and their learning. Such a great point about a large university, but a small graduate school. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the appeal for people when they look at Darden comparing you know, Darden other schools they may be considering uh, the fact that it functions like a, like a small school um, but you get the benefits of a, of a major university. Obviously athletics is a big draw but everything mm-hmm. else that UVA entails. Um, been having a lot of phone conversations with prospective students and I think almost to a person they're very curious about the learning team experience. It's such a part of the four-step learning model here at Darden. There's individual preparation, group preparation obviously and that's where the learning team comes in. Um, how are they put together? And how do you think about you know, composing these teams? Ah, the mystery of the learning teams. Well, it's, they're not all put in a hat and then sorted out that way, as people like to kind of joke. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into constructing the learning teams. Um, I would even use the word social engineering. Um, we do work closely with faculty from the DA area to help construct the learning teams. Um, there is a... a tool that we use. Um, So part of it is we are also sorting students into their sections. So we want to make sure that the learning team span the sections as well. So you don't have a learning team who's all in 
a Section A or Section C or anything like that. And really, our goal is to create strong teams that are as diverse um, as possible. And that means a lot of different things. So we're taking all of that great information and data that we get through the admissions process as students matriculate to Darden and then sort of work that into this model for the learning team so that we have teams that bring lots of different backgrounds. And that means a lot of different things from where folks went to school, to what they studied, to their careers, um, to their interests. Um, so really, you know, everyone's able to bring different experiences to those teams. We want to be able to sort of split up. Um, you know, we don't want folks who all went to the same undergraduate institution. We don't want all of the folks who are CPAs on one team or all the teachers on one team because everyone brings a different lens to the learning team. Um, and I will say, you know, the great thing is um, it's a wonderful, wonderful part of the learning experience. But I think part of it is even with a great diverse team um, and a team that may look like perfect on paper where you're like, oh my gosh, we've got all the careers represented. We've got someone from finance and accounting and someone who's a great writer and someone who's really heavy in the data sciences. There's still, you know, always challenges that come your way when you add in recruiting and personalities and sort of life experiences and kind of, you know, where folks are coming from. So, um, you know, it's a continual process even once the learning teams are constructed as sort of challenges come folks' ways. But it's a really, really fun process um, and it's neat to see the teams come together and the need to see the team starts to develop those relationships outside of their learning team rooms as well as teams sort of have social experiences and get together and sort of really gel and navigate those challenges along the way. I've been struck um, by the fact that the learning team, as, as you note, Ed, is a, is a management opportunity, a leadership opportunity yeah. to figure out the norms for each of those teams. Absolutely. Uh, it's a com- common conversation here on the podcast with the students. How do they manage that? Because it's a flat organization. No one's technically in charge. How do you figure out the norms? Is there any help with sort of advising students on how to navigate this? Um, Sarah, any, any suggestions you all offer? Sure. And, and some of this is covered in the LO curriculum. So the LO faculty take that in terms of team development and team best practices and talk with them about that through a learning team contract. But then on our side, through Office of Student Affairs, we also have what we call the learning team support team, the LTST. It's a group of us where each of us own a hallway of learning teams, and we check in with them regularly. We are talking to them about what's working well, what's what needs some help. Um, we're having individual check-in meetings, both with the individual student as well as with the learning team itself. So, you know, we as a support team are behind the scenes also offering that support network to make sure that they're doing okay. That's great. So um, Darden's known for uh, being challenging, um, and certainly the first-year curriculum is uh, is intense at times, and a lot that students are learning how to do, right? Most people have not had the case method uh, before, so that's an adjustment. Um, they are recruiting and at least going to company briefings and then at some point applying for internships. How do you help students with uh, the time management and just adjusting to, to business school? Sure. Um, well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head in terms of, I think, a lot of the first-year challenges. I mean, as Sarah mentioned, kind of with the learning team support team piece, our office is really here to help guide students along the way from the time they get here to the time they walk across that stage at graduation. Um, and the time management piece, you know, we love to work with students on an individual basis. We offer one-on-one advising and check-ins with students. Um, and the thing I would say with that is I, I think every experience is unique. I don't believe in the term of the student experience. I like to think every student has a student experience. And you have to sort of tailor it to your own journey because folks are coming from different backgrounds, different levels of experience. Some folks are going to be 
really sort of exploring the career space while their students may have their eyes on one particular kind of outcome while they're here. Um, so not sort of comparing your journey to another student's versus making it very customizable and what you need. Um, I always encourage students, you know, the power is in asking for help and assistance. There are, Darden is a huge network of support staff who are ready to help students in the career space, in the academic space, um, in the student life space. You know, my, my thing is also, you know, there are 24 hours in a day and we can't find more and there's always more going on than you can really fit into that schedule. So we'd like to work with students to sort of figure out what are your priorities and what are your needs and then how do you work backwards to sort of fill the time that you have. If you're someone who, you know, is really gets a lot done in the morning, is it making sure you go to bed at the right time and then getting up and reviewing the cases in the morning? Versus, you know, staying up late if you're not going to really retain that information. Are you someone who, you know, really thrives if you get your morning exercise? Are you someone who needs, you know, outdoor time? Like really building in those things that make you whole and make you feel good and then filling in the time from there with your recruiting and your casework and your learning team and the social piece and the clubs and all of that. Sarah, how do you how do you work with students who may be uh, challenged by the adjustment? You know, trying to navigate uh, this this process. You know, and one of the things I think it's sometimes struck by is it can be hard to be vulnerable um, and say I'm struggling with something. A highly successful group of people. You know, everybody tendency th- uh, to think that everybody else has it together. You're the only person feeling this. How, how do you support students and, and think about the work that you do? Yeah, I think it's it's that it's that reminder that everyone here looks like they have their stuff together, and so it's really difficult to admit when you're falling behind or you're feeling academically challenged, and to remind them that everyone has their different challenge. Whether or not it's academically, it could be socially, it could be within their partnership that they brought a spouse or a partner here, and and that is difficult to manage on top of everything else. So everyone is dealing with different things, and therefore to keep that in mind, so that when they are going to the learning team, that they can remember that and ask for help, just as Ed was saying, and that folks want to be helpful. I mean, by and large, I have found that that when folks have asked someone is always there, whether or not it's through our tutoring program, whether or not through the learning team. It could be through a consortium. It could be through a variety of groups that we have that through buddies and peer systems and partners and, and everything else that someone is, is here and want, willing and wanting to help. And they just really need to make that ask. Uh, one of the pieces of advice that has been shared by the current students uh, who've been on the podcast is around running your own race and focusing on your path, uh, which can be really hard to do. I think uh, students get here and almost immediately there's tons of companies that want to talk to them and you know classmates that are going in a million different directions. How do you help students cut through all of that and, and to say like this is this is what I'm what I'm about. This is what I'm interested in because I, I know that it's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things. Yeah. So, you know, Ed mentioned the prioritization and really trying to focus in on what an individual student wants to do. And so, you know, I've had conversations with students where we really do talk about, okay, is career number one? And what does that look like? And what does that mean? Or is your family number one? You know, maybe it's that you your family's expecting a child and therefore you need to prioritize that. So your learning team meeting needs to be early so you can get back home and have dinner with your family or put folks to bed, you know, if you have little kids. So, you know, in that regard, it's really, like you said, running your own race and making sure that the experience that you're having is the experience that you personally want to have and that you're not trying to live up to someone else's standards. I actually was in a, a check-in meeting the other day and someone was saying that, well, I used to be going to all the Thursday night activities and it was just getting to be too much. You know, I needed my sleep. I needed my introvert time. I needed to kind of refuel in that manner. And so I did. I have to 
kind of taken myself out of that rotation, and it's been really good for me. I'm still getting the social aspect in on Fridays. You know, I, I'm going to the club conferences, or I'm going to Darden Cup, but I'm not feeling as though I have to go to absolutely everything. And I think that was a really smart move. It takes a couple of weeks. You know, it takes some adjustment time, but once they get that, then they feel good about what they're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, Ed, uh, students ask all the time as well. Prospective students, I should say. Um, you know, how many clubs are people typically involved with in the first year? Like, is there a prescribed, a recommended number and all this? I, I do think people are trying to figure out. I don't want to miss out on anything, but I also don't want to overextend myself, which is kind of a uh, interesting balancing act. Um, what do you see students do when it comes to clubs, organizations, extracurricular involvement? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would say don't join all of them. There's always that, you know, go to the club fair and you put your name on all of the sign-up lists and so on. And then luckily that's not a firm commitment. That's just sort of an interest in the organization. Um, we do have currently, I believe, 54 active student clubs plus our Darden Student Association, which is our student government. Um, you know, I think it's very individualized. I think part of it depends on sort of where students are in the career space. We have great career and industry clubs. I think students who are more in that kind of career-minded space and thinking about, you know, which next path they might want to take may join some of those kind of larger career and industry organizations, GMO finance, um, consulting, marketing, and so on. Then there are a lot of the sort of, you know, fun... Um, you know, sort of more student life driven clubs and kind of hobbies and interests. I would say average student, maybe, Sarah, you can disagree with maybe four to four to five, I would say, you know, hit some of the career clubs and maybe pick one or two interest clubs as well. And those are going to have different levels of commitment as well. I think the nice thing is with those clubs and organizations, you know, joining can also mean from a resource standpoint, you know, being on email lists, you know, going to a meeting doesn't necessarily mean you have to participate in all activities. You're going to sort of get out of it, what you put into it, and sort of what you want to get out of it. And as Sarah said, you know, if you decide you're not going to all the Thursday night things or you're going to focus on the conferences, that's great. That's great, too. Um, and we really, you know, encourage folks to sort of see what fits into their schedule and not feel pressured to do more than they can. UVA has this tradition of student self-governance. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of our prospective students, they're um, prior undergraduate organization, uh, undergraduate schools, uh, graduate schools may not have had a similar similar practice. What what does that mean for the extracurricular uh, activities here? Yeah, and this is another one too that I think is very unique to UVA and makes it really special. In that, student self governance means that when students can lead they are allowed or, or challenged to lead. So whereas I'd say at other institutions around um, the country, you know, even honor for us is, is a very big deal. But students run that organization, you know. So undergraduate students are making decisions around whether or not a student is, is remains here or is expelled, essentially, if they are found in violation of, of our um, standards of conduct or our honor policy. So for here, um, with our clubs, it means that our students lead. They, are, they serve as the presidents. They serve as EVPs and, and vice presidents. And they are making all decisions around their club that would be allowed. So whether or not they are going to have that conference, whether or not they're going to have that speaker, payments, funding, et cetera. I mean, anything that goes into or is involved with a large um, scale event, they are fully responsible for that, getting contracts. Um, and what that also means is that sometimes things don't go as planned or accordingly as, as what they're hoping for. And, and that's a learning experience, too. So by and large, you know, for us, it's, it's not getting in the way of that or stepping in to um, make sure that it goes well, but it, helping that learning experience happen seems like it's an opportunity for students to exercise some of the leadership uh, lessons, skills that they're acquiring through class. 
Absolutely. And I think the great thing is even beyond the clubs, I mean, students at UVA and especially at Darden have the unique opportunity to really be involved in some of the leadership decisions at the school and put that, put what they're learning into practice. I mean, we have different student communities and initiatives. A lot of what students will see when they come to Darden are things that were created, you know, by students or brought to our office with interest, you know, in things they wanted to change. We have an MBA program advisory committee um, where both first years and second year students are working with myself and the faculty and our associate dean of the MBA program to really sort of shape the curriculum and the pre-matriculation programming and sort of making sure what we're doing makes sense and is staying cutting edge for students and what they're learning in the classroom. Um, you know, orientation programming, resilience programming. Um, students, if they can dream it, they can really do it. And like as we said before, there's a great sort of staff who's here and ready to support those initiatives. Um, so students really do have the opportunity to, you know, bring some things forward and see change happen. Even if it doesn't happen in their two years, people are able to come back and see things that have changed and shaped um, differently because they brought them forward. Uh, one of the uh, weeks here, I was there many, many weeks that take place, mm-hmm. um, uh, but Resilience Week is one that caught caught my eye because mm-hmm. it's such a buzzword uh, generally, but it's something that you talk about all, all the time in terms of being able to be successful in anything that's hard. You know, how do you respond to adversity? Um, Resilience Week includes a lot of different kinds of programming, and I know that you've been involved with that, Sarah, obviously, mm-hmm. too. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about what this week typically is and entails and, and why it got started? Sure. So this is year three of the Student Resilience Initiative. Once again, um, perfect example. This was brought forward to our office by a student who had a really strong interest and passion in resilience, mindfulness, and mental health and wanted to create greater awareness and exposure to not just the resources that are available at Darden, but really kind of broaden that conversation and get students talking about mental health and resilience. Um, So Resilience Week has been a great opportunity to really sort of shift the focus during the kind of busy schedule to get students and faculty and staff to think about resilience and mindfulness. I know I'm using those terms a lot, um, but a lot of the programming has been around those different topics of mental health. I mean, A, getting students to share their stories. As Sarah said earlier, we are, um, for business school, we're also a great theater school because folks are really great at sort of, you know, looking like they always have their act together, but we all bring these different backgrounds and these different stories of sort of navigating challenges and struggles and sort of how do we, how are we resilient? How do we come out on top and how do we sort of feel better about ourselves? Um, So getting students to share their stories. Um, We do a lot of programming with Dr. Debbie Wilson, who's our on-site clinician from, um, from CAPS over on Central Grounds. Um, you know, and a lot of sort of, you know, focus on, um, you know, well-being overall. So that can be, you know, activities around exercise and healthy eating and meditation. Um, one of our fun ones we like to do is a yappy hour where we um, students love, you know, a chance to pet a dog and hang out with their classmates. So we'll have Coco out on Flagler and we'll bring all of our um, all of our students who have dogs. I often bring my own golden retriever. Um, he is not a licensed therapy dog, but he loves being um, being petted and getting the attention as well. So just a chance for us to sort of take a moment in the busy schedule and sort of reflect on sort of our own well-being um, and how we can also be a resource for our peers as well and kind of have that great peer network and look out for one another as things kind of layer on and get busy. It's so helpful, I think, for students to talk openly about mental health um, because even in their future professional lives, these are going to be things that, you know, that they're going to need to be attuned to. Um, Do you think about when you're doing an event uh, like that, that you're helping students build skills for, for the long run, not just for the two years that they're here? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I would say that the originator of this, so Catherine Rand, I want to give her a shout out. Mm-hmm. You know, she really wanted to make the business case for resilience and mm-hmm. the fact that you need it in your career and you're going to need it as a manager. Um, we're actually in talks with Debbie Wilson and, and Barbara Millar and, and talking through a new series, a managerial series where, you know, you may not struggle with some of these things, addiction, mental health, other types of issues and, and challenges in one's life, but you're the folks that you supervise may. And how are you going to respond to that as a manager? So developing the skill set is going to benefit you in the long term, regardless of where you are in your career. So uh, being around uh, the pre-matriculation process, orientation process for the past few years, I'm struck by how much thought and care goes into all that happens with students prior to showing up here on grounds. Um, and this, these are obviously ongoing conversations. So every year it seems like we try to try something new. Um, I know that your office is very much involved in those, those conversations. Um, what do you think is important for students to be aware of or to know about Darden before they get started? Or what are some of the things uh, that you've seen helpful for, for students to, to think about uh, before they show up here uh, for the start of school? For me, the number one thing, and I'm sure Ed will have a lot to add, is um, being the the co-owner with faculty for the pre-matriculation program here. But I would say small increases in skill make a big difference over time. So even with Excel, so if someone has not been very familiar with Excel or has not been just actively working with it in terms of knowing the shortcuts and and how to manipulate it or manipulate, manipulate data, over time, you know, if you're not able to do that, then that costs you time when you're trying to review cases or when you're trying to do things. So for me, I'm like, take an Excel class if you haven't, or even if you have, you know, just to make sure that your skills are on point, because that will be a huge time savings in the future that then you can spend on recruiting, on social activities, or on case prep, which will help in, in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I would say Sarah hit the nail on the head. I mean, just anything you can do to sort of prepare yourself, I'd say don't wait for day one to kind of come back. Because I think going back to school is an adjustment in any way. Like, I always think, like, gosh, like, you know, when you're not le- living in a residence hall, like, how do you make friends and how do you connect with people and how do you sort of take the onus, like, on yourself to sort of, you know, take the initiative and make that happen? Um, and that could be, you know, many things. So if English is your second language, if there are opportunities for sort of immersion programs and language support, you know, taking advantage that early to make yourself feel more comfortable in the classroom, sort of thinking about what are the hallmarks of Darden in terms of participation and the case method and as Sarah said, you know, Excel um, you know, if you don't have those sort of heavy, um, you know, quant skills, how can you sort of get some of those under your belt and we and we send a lot of that to students you know, it's not just sort of like find your own path but really taking advantage of those things because I think when you're, you know heading back to school and you want to, you know, squeeze in that vacation or you want or you're working up until the end, it can feel like, well, I'll wait and so on but I don't think anyone has ever regretted the decision to sort of take advantage of the opportunities they're given and sort of preparation and getting ready to yeah, head back try, to school. I'm trying to think about all the things that uh, were, were provided to students uh, over the past summer. So mm-hmm. uh, there were the financial accounting MOOCs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was MBA math mm-hmm. that was open uh, for our international students uh, for whom English may be a second language. There was, there was B-Speak. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of discussion about Darden before Darden for students who don't come from a so-called traditional or heavily quantitative background. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing something in there, but I, I feel like there's just so much um, that you can't avail yourself of that's made um, that's provided through the school. So, um, one of the things that I think is probably on our prospective students' minds, based upon again some of the questions that we get, is about having to speak up in class and get comfortable with 
you know, in your section, sharing your perspective and opinion, which may not be uh, everyone's experience prior prior to coming to Darden. How do you help students uh, navigate that? Because I, I think it can, for, for some students, be stressful. It can be intimidating. Um, how do you help students find their voice? So those are also very individualized conversations that we have. But if it's, you know, even a participation buddy, so someone who's going to look across the other side of the aisle from you and, and give you a big smile um, just to let you know, like, I'm here, I'm supporting you, I'm listening to you. So whether or not it's it's identifying that person. Is it asking for a warm call from a faculty member? And again, this is after you've tried to, to get in the conversation a few times. If there's a particular case that you feel strongly about and you haven't had that opportunity to get into the conversation, could you reach out to a faculty member in advance of the class happening and saying, hey, do you mind if I start off class? I haven't been able to get in there. Um, and, there and many of them are very open to that. You know, is it that you're writing down certain things that you know that you want to insert into the conversation once that conversation rolls around to that point? So a little bit of extra preparedness, I think, can go a long way, too. Um, you know, participation is tough. And when there are other 68, 69 other hands and, you know, being raised at the same time, it can be daunting and it can be intimidating. But I would even just echo what uh, Mary Margaret Frank would say. And she'd say that this is the best training ground for anyone because you're going to have to need, you will need that skill in order to be successful in life and certainly in business. And so having this as your practice ground is the perfect opportunity to do so. Yeah, people do talk about the safety of the environment, right? This is uh, in your section. There are norms mm-hmm. that are set. I've always been struck by that, that the students really kind of decide within the classroom, this is how we're going to engage with each other. Um, see, I mean, it's kind of an incredible, incredible thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that's meant to help create that sort of safe, supportive environment. I mean, some sections, you know, clap for one another. Other ones, you know, have kind of safety nets in place if a conversation kind of goes off the rails. How do you get it back on in a nice, supportive way? Um, because there will be challenging Opinions, and I think you know part of it is also is don't get hung up in with it you know being right versus getting it out there. I mean, sometimes the best part of adding to a conversation is asking a question, you know, because chances are there are other people in that classroom. Once again, back to that same point of how we sort of all feel like everyone has their act together. There are probably other people in that classroom who have the same question, who may be hesitant to ask it. So sometimes asking that question is the thing that the class needs to get to the next step. Um, so really, you know, all the things Sarah said, you know, talking to your faculty. You know, running something by someone in your learning team, having those things prepped as well um, are all are all great things. But the norms really do help create that sort of safe space to allow people to experiment and share their ideas in a great supportive environment. I'm also struck by the fact that um, there's such spirit within the sections, mm-hmm. right? So uh, they have T-shirts, uh, mascots, mm-hmm. colors. Uh, alumni come back and they they still feel that section identity. Um, it seems like a, a, a you know the learning team as obviously we talked about that as a small group, but then the section becomes an important part of sort of the student uh, experience here. Um, so I'm curious uh, as well. You've been, both been at Darden for a, a long time, um, and. Uh, what would you want a prospective student to know about about this uh, school, this experience, um, what Charlottesville is like? I mean, how, how would you talk with a prospective student about about what happens here? I would just talk about what a special community that we have and what we've built. I mean, even on the, the staff side, I would say that I started here and I was waiting for months for the other shoe to drop because I couldn't believe people could be this nice and this helpful and kind. And I think that translates into the student experience as well. I mean, when they come here, they are just enveloped into this community of, of people who genuinely are, are kind and nice to one another. And we want to see each other succeed. So to the best of our ability, we are willing to do whatever we can in order to make sure that that happens. 
Charlottesville also a wonderful place, especially for those who have partners or children. Um, I certainly have found that it has a lot to offer and, and amenities out there. So, you know, the case method, and I would say, is not for everyone. But if it's for you, then, or even if it's not for you, give it a give it a shot and check it out, um, and and see what it could, you know, what the challenges are. It could absolutely bring out the best in you, and so that's what I would tell prospective students. Yeah, lots of different ways to kick the tires on the case method. Uh, you can do anything from come here for a class visit, mm-hmm. which is a great opportunity to see Charlottesville and experience the community. Uh, we do case discussions all around the country. Faculty travel with us to admissions events. Um, and even just, you know, talking with some current students and alumni about what it's like, you know, their their experiences. I mean, there's students on our website. Reach out to any club or organization. So, Ed, what would you want a student to know about, about Darden, about Charlottesville? Yeah, I mean, I think Sarah said it perfectly. Darden's an incredible community. It's the most hard to explain, even within the larger kind of structure of the university, which is also an amazing place and an amazing town. Um, I think Darden is, you know, here and ready to support you. Um, It's also going to be what you make of it. So sort of what you put into Darden, you will help take out. And I would say, you know, realize that, um, you know, business school is not what it once was. I think it's a place to bring your whole self and everything that you are and everything that you bring to us is an opportunity to help shape your learning and the work that you will do um, in the business world. I think, you know, to me, that's that's good business that we're bringing those experiences and that we're able to sort of share openly and support one another and be vulnerable and try things. I mean, these are two years to learn and to explore and to experiment and to sort of figure out your path. Um, and that's, you know, I think Darden provides great support for that um, and a great safe space for that. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. So one last question. Um, your office obviously does a lot to support the student experience here. Um, what are you excited about uh, when you think about the months ahead? Do you have anything upcoming or anything you're particularly looking forward to? <laughs> I was laughing because because exams are this week. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know if the students will agree with me. No, I'm just kidding. We have so um, many yeah. fun fall things. We do. Yeah. We. Well, is it a surprise? I don't think so. Um, so we have an exam breakfast for dinner that yeah. actually Ed brought over from a previous place, and and it's been hugely successful. And we surprise students with this for perspective, so I feel like I could say it. So we surprise students with dinner um, right before their learning team, and it's during a really stressful time of year, and so they appreciate it. And you know the the delicious smells are wafting down the hallway, so they find us even if they didn't see the email. And it's a great opportunity to commune and and kind of just enjoy each other. So we've got that and our international Thanksgiving dinner. I mean. There are lots of fall things, mm-hmm. and, and Ed's got some other things. I'm trying to think of the SWAT stuff that's a little bit more yeah. secret. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, the thing I would say also, it's not even necessarily programming. Like, I like this time of year because I feel like at this point we start to move into the phase where students have – they've had a full quarter of course load as a first year. They've, you know, they've joined clubs. They're starting to really, you know, recruit more heavily. And I feel like we get to know them even more. Like, they're experiencing all the different layers of Darden and sort of what that means and how that, you know, affects their learning team and what they're doing in the career in the recruiting space is affecting what they're learning in the classroom. And I think it's an exciting time because I start to see it sort of all come together. Um, That first quarter, I think, can still feel sort of like we're getting our bearings and it's like, okay, I just got used to class and now I'm recruiting or I just joined these clubs or I'm meeting people. So I feel like we get to know students a little bit deeper at this time. So I think that's something that I always kind of look forward to as we move further into the fall. Plus, you know, fall in Virginia is beautiful now that it's not 90 degrees, but, (laughs) you know. Well, Sarah, Ed, thank you so much for your time this morning. Um, It's great hearing uh, your perspectives on on student life here. Um, As you might imagine, so many of our prospective students are interested in in learning more about it. So I know this conversation will be helpful to them. So thank you again. Thanks, Brett. 
And that was my conversation with Sarah Elliott and Ed Warwick, two of the student affairs professionals who support our students here at Darden. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, at Virginia, Daedu. And until next time, thanks for listening.